Right. Good morning, everybody. We are starting a series called Only Human. Only Human. And it's kind of uh, just kind of in the thoughts and idea of we've got uh, people in the Bible who, you know, we might look at them and we may think, man, they were just exceptional human beings. You know, those guys were, you know, they had, they had something that we didn't have. You know, maybe they, they were a cut above the rest. When acts, actually, it's quite the opposite. I see in scripture where a lot of times God likes using the underdog. And so, uh, so we're going to just, we're going to dive into some uh, Bible characters through the course of this sermon series and just kind of show you that, hey, you know, people are people. They have mistakes, they have flaws, and that's the thing I love about the Bible, is it doesn't just show all the good things. It isn't just the highlight reel of Facebook or, or Instagram. It shows the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? So we're going we're gonna to be diving into the life of Moses a little bit today, so let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, God. We thank you for, God, your word is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates the divide soul and spirit, joint and marrow. God is the discerner of the thoughts and intentions of our heart. And we thank you that your word changes lives, Lord. And it's changed, uh, God, many of our lives in here, in this place, and those tuning online. And Lord, we thank you for your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. One of my absolute, absolute, absolute favorite scriptures is found in the book of James, chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. Because right before these few verses... Um, James is giving us, I don't want to say a formula, but kind of a formula on how we are to pray for the sick. Say, pray for the sick. Do you know in scripture that it tells us to pray for sick people? Do you know that? Raise your hand if you knew that. Okay, good, good, good. So it says, if any among you are sick, let him come to the elders of the church. This is like verse 14, 15, 16. It says, and let him anoint them with oil, the laying on of hands, and the prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. That's, that's what the scripture. Then it goes on to this verse, verse 17. So it's like he's telling us how to pray for the sick. And then in verse 17, it says, Elisha was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Say human being. I don't, every time I read about Elisha, I think he's like a superhero. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think of like a regular human being. I think of like a Superman, like, you know, like, like somebody who is like just at a different caliper, at a different level. But then James just reminds us he was a person. Another translation would say, Elisha was a man just like us. Just like us. Human being. That's why we're talking about only human. And it just reminds me, he's talking about how he did something, but there's this little tiny word that I think was the thing that was kind of the difference maker. And that was the word earnestly. Say earnestly. earnestly. If you look up the word earnestly, it's not going to be on the screens. It just means resolute, serious, sincere, having qualities of depth and firmness. Uh, intensity, serious state of mind. Another translation would not say he prayed earnestly. It would say he prayed fervently. Say fervently. And fervently is intense, passionate, hot, burning, and glowing. So he prayed intensely. He prayed passionately. He prayed earnestly. He prayed fervently. 
When was the last time we prayed like this? It's been a long time probably, right? I mean, usually there has to be a great need that would drive us to have a passionate prayer. Have you ever, have you ever just prayed like with, with intensity and, and maybe tears and, and, and cries and moans? Well, well, in this case, Elisha was praying earnestly for it not to rain. What the funny thing is, and this has nothing to do with what we're talking about. We just read the scripture. It says, and Elisha prayed that it wouldn't rain and it didn't. It's just like one, it's just like one like line. But then James just gives us a little detail of the earnest passion. So you look at him and you say, well, he was this ultimate man of God. But there was this passion behind and resolve behind his prayer life. Are you following, friends? Yeah. All right. But we're not talking about Elijah today. We're talking about this man, Moses. Say Moses. And this is the cool thing that I think, you know, when you, when you look at the life of Moses, some people will be like, man, well, he had such success, you know, well, he didn't have a good family. He didn't, he wasn't well resourced. Um, he didn't have even a great relationship with God, to be quite honest. When you look at him standing in front of the burning bush, he's actually arguing with God. You know what I mean? <laughs> so let's look in, let's look at the life of Moses just for a minute. We're going to get into some scripture here. We're going to go into Exodus. We're going to read a few verses in Exodus chapter one. And I believe God likes to use underdogs. Say underdogs. Underdogs. He does that because I believe he gets the glory and we can't point it at somebody's own ability. You know what I mean? Not that God can't use your abilities and use your strengths and use your, uh, those type of things. You see people that God used in scripture where they weren't qualified and he qualified them. So Exodus chapter 1. This is his, if you were to, you know, watch a superhero movie or whatever, this is his origin story. Say origin story. Exodus chapter 1, verse 8 and 10. Okay, this is pretty intense back in those days. And in Exodus chapter 1, we're going to read out the uh, NIV, the New International Version. It says, then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. This is just giving us a little background. Look, he said to the people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come. We must deal shrewdly with them or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. Continue reading here. I think that's it for that one. So we're going to skip on to uh, verse 22. Did I put verse 22 on there? Okay. Verse 22 says, Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every Hebrew boy that is born... You must throw into the Nile, but ev let every girl live. So if you were a girl in Egypt, you were like, hooray, I'm not going to die. But if you were a boy in Egypt, there was a death sentence on you. So what happens here? So we see in Exodus chapter 2, we see this, this kid, Moses. His name isn't Moses, but we'll just call him Moses just because that's what we know. And what happens in chapter 2 is... He's hidden for three months by his mom. His mom takes and places him into this little basket and places him up river where Pharaoh's daughter finds him, names him Moses, which means drawn out, and raises him as her own son. Say adopted. Have you ever messed with your sibling and say, you're adopted? Well, Moses was adopted. Okay. So, so we're going to move on here to Exodus chapter 2. Verse 11, okay? So, 
You know, it doesn't talk about his childhood. It doesn't talk about any of that. It just says one day after Moses had grown up. <laughs> you know, I mean, skip all the teenage years and, you know, the talking back to Pharaoh's daughter and, you know. <laughs> one day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. So just out of that verse, we could tell that Moses knew, you know, he was adopted. He knew that the Hebrews were his people. He knew all these things, right? Watch him at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, looking to this way and to that, seeing no one. He killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Verse 13. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. Why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? You know, or why are you hitting your brother? You know, we're, you know, we're, we're all in this together. And this is what happens. And in verse 14, the man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me just as you killed the Egyptian? Man, people like to throw stuff in your face, don't they? <laughs> then Moses was afraid and thought, what? What I did must have become known. And when Pharaoh had heard this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. And we're not going to continue on. We'll just pause right there. So you have this guy, Moses, who's raised in Pharaoh's court. He's raised... Uh, in Egypt, as a prince of Egypt, you know, with the best of foods and all these things, probably best of teachings, all that stuff, and sees this injustice and tries to handle this injustice by his own means. So, tries to handle it by his own means, kills this Egyptian, and we just read everything that happens. He, has, he ends up having to flee for his own life. It's a flee for his life. So, you have this guy, Moses, who has odds stacked against him, right? I mean, he's adopted. At the beginning of, of, his, of his life, he sought to be killed. Mother's hiding him away. He probably felt rejection. I mean, for most people that I know that, that deal with adoption, they, you know, have some sort of rejection. And he becomes a murderer. <laughs> and then he sought to be killed again, so now he's running from the law. What a great setup, huh? <laughs> What a great setup. What a great backstory. This is, you know, the man that everybody looks to. Moses, right? What a great setup. I would say that he had odds stacked against him, wouldn't you say? Yeah, for sure. Now, this is the thing, friends. How many of us can even, in some case, and maybe in some way, identify with having odds stacked against us? Maybe you have some odds stacked against you. Maybe you have some things that, maybe there's some generational things that you have had to fight through. What odds are stacked against you? What causes us to flee? Well, Moses fled into the desert. He fled, obviously, from his people. He fled from Pharaoh. He fled from his family. He fled from all those things. He fled from being called a murderer. But, and people, you know, he fled into the desert, but people can sometimes flee to multiple different things. People flee to drugs. People flee to alcohol. They, they flee to relationships and sex. Some people flee to, to work. Others flee to other forms of escapism. Um, ask yourself, what is it that would cause me to run in my life? What opposition in my life would cause me to say, I'm not dealing with this? Give me a bowl of ice cream. I'm good. I'm done. 
(laughs) What causes us to flee? Are there things in our life that are challenging us to where we are running away from? I know Moses ran because he was sought to be killed. But God wanted Moses to go back, even though he had every excuse in the book to face his past and face his fears. Think of this. I mean, he's standing before the very presence of God. He had to take his shoes off because he's on holy ground. And God's saying, I'm sending you Moses, showed him all of these miraculous things. And Moses said, I can't go because I can't talk. I can't go because I've done this. I can't go because, because, because. And had all of the excuses actually arguing with God. I don't know in scripture anyone else that got to argue with God and get away with it. (laughs) Obviously, he, he ends up submitting to God and submitting to what God wanted. But he had all of the excuses. Say excuses. You know, so he had fear. He had past. He had all this thing. Why are you sending me back to the place I, I ran from? Why are you sending me back to the place that I escaped from? I mean, and then I, when, I look at, when I look at Moses and I think, you know, we have things in our lives maybe that we don't want to face. Maybe there's some things in our past. You know, we're like, I'm a new creature in Christ and, and I'm good to go. But there's some things in our past that we have failed to address. Maybe some things in our past that we failed to face. I'll tell you what, some of the hardest things for us to do as, as, as humans is to face ourselves in the mirror and to not see what we like. Right? Because for the most part, we want to look good in front of people. Right? I mean, I want to look good in front of y'all. Right? We want to look good in front of people. We want to look good in front of our family. We want to look good... For the most part, we want to present ourselves well. So, so if there is an area of our life that's exposed, a lot of times we'll hide that. And so that's what's so difficult, I believe, in our culture is because we need to have safe places where we can be real. I hope that you in Vision Church feel that we're real. Like we're not putting on a show We're not putting on a presentation. How Josh talks here is how he talks out there and how he talks at home. And I'm not saying that. My wife said loudly. It's kind of, hey, what's for breakfast? I know, you know. Um, Because it's not like this, it's not like this thing. But but sometimes, you know, do you feel... do you feel like you have to put on a, a mask in front of people or, or you have to put on, you know, a, a reserve? And that, that's okay, but we really need to be able to face ourselves. Say, I need to face myself. Right? And so God was having Moses face his past, face his fears, and do all of these things. He was going to face the rejection. He was going to face all of these things, and we have to face them. Maybe, maybe we are facing constant rejection. Maybe we're maybe looking in the past is we're facing failed relationships, failed marriages, family that's out of control, maybe substance abuse. Here we go. Maybe you have a hidden substance abuse problem right now that you're hiding. Maybe you have a porn addiction. Maybe there's a, a, a social dysfunction that you're dealing with. Maybe there's a, a learning disability. Maybe um, maybe there is a generational abuse. We don't talk about this. Maybe there's generational abuse verbally, physically, and psychologically. People don't talk about that. We always talk about the physical abuse. But what about psychological abuse? Think of this. There's this movie. It's called Tangled. Do you guys ever see that movie? And there's there's this this woman who was snatched as a baby, put up in a tower. 
And in, and in the tower, this woman isn't physically or verbally abusing her, but she's being psychologically abused. She's being manipulated. And there are, there are people that grew up and they were manipulated. <laughs> maybe, maybe there's, again, generational abuse. Maybe it's physical, right? <laughs> maybe it's verbal. Maybe there's things that, that you just have never fully dealt with. My wife and I are, are, are learning this out of being in ministry for, for 20 years, is that a lot of people react and act because of stuff that's not dealt with. I mean, even, I mean, how, how many of us have heard of the slap that went around the world? Anybody here hear about that? Anybody hear about that? Raise your hand if you heard about, about the Smith slap, you, right? Well, one thing that, you know, that they're saying is, you know, he's going into therapy and he's doing all this stuff and he's, you know, like, like there's more, you know, that's a reaction of stuff that's going on inside, right? And he does need Jesus. Yes, Lord. And so maybe there's strife, brokenness, all these things, all this stuff. I'm saying this. If you're faced with opposition, if you're faced with struggle, if you're faced with these type of things, friends, don't flee. Please don't run. Don't try to hide it. Don't try to, you know, just run from it. We need to press on. Say press on. We need to press on. We need to be found in Christ. The scripture, I love that it shares and shows and tells us stories of people and their victories and their triumphs and their fails and their, and their failures and their defeats. And so we, we are in this place where we may want to flee from our past, flee from these things. But we need to press on. Back to Moses. So we see Moses here, we, we just read where he tries to do a little bit of good in his own strength. Right? He ends up killing an Egyptian, fleeing for his life. Say failure. failure. <laughs> fail. Right? I mean, it's just, so, I mean, just failed. He just, he just failed. Okay. Friends, sometimes when we try to, or sometimes when we try in our own strength, or sometimes when we try to do good, we will find ourselves in the middle of failure. Have you ever tried to figure something out on your own? You're like, I'm going to just do this. I'm going to figure this. I'm going to. And so we see Moses trying to, trying to do this thing. I'm going to liberate my, the Hebrews. And utter failure, right? God had a different plan. Sometimes we can try to do good. And it can lead to failure. That's why I love, I love what the scripture says. And this is something that I found in my own life. And it's John chapter 15, verse 5. He says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, friends, my life was full of failure and a hot mess apart from Christ. Before Christ, hot mess. Failure, I mean, utterly dis disgusting. You don't want to know the pre-Christ Josh. It was an ugly man, ugly guy, full of himself, full of selfishness. Okay? But, if we truly want to do something in our life, something that is true and lasting and fruitful, this is the thing, friends. People can have uh, success. They can have monetary success. They can have, you know, uh, career success. But true and lasting fruitfulness in our lives can only be found in and through Christ. Amen. I mean, we, I mean, if you're watching any of the things that's going on now, you're seeing all kinds of of public uh, marriages going through 
court and all this stuff of, of people that you may have watched on TV and, and stuff. I mean, we're just seeing all kinds of mess, right? I mean, and you would look at these people and you'd say, man, they've, they've got it all. They've got success. They've got fame. They've got money. But they don't have true and lasting fruitfulness in their life. I mean, in the one, in the one case, they're, they're talking to the guy and he's saying, yeah, I'm doing, I, yeah, I did cocaine with this guy and I did this. Why? Right? You would say, man, you have it all. You've got a star on, on Hollywood. You're this, that, and the other because, friends, there's still emptiness. There's still not that fulfillment. I know in my own life, man, when I found Christ, I, I, it was like drugs and alcohol, bye-bye. That's, it's done. And people, and I know people that, uh, they're like, you know, I found Christ, I found God, and he's so much better. So as a person who used to be, uh, a, you know, a drug addict, usually you would cha- exchange what you're, you know, a lower dose to a higher dose. You know, like maybe you'd go from smoking weed to, back in our day, it was cocaine. And now I know it's like meth, and there's like ecstasy and pills. And, and so you, you're just, you're going you, for the higher high. But I met the highest high I could possibly have. Amen. I remember, let me, I, I'm just going to share this real quick. I remember when I, uh, when I first experienced God, like I, I, I was just, you know, didn't know anything. I'm bringing my, 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 uh, my friends that I'm uh, doing weed with and, and selling drugs with, I'm bringing them to the church and I'm telling, this is how I'm explaining it. Cause I didn't, I didn't know anything. I'm just like, I'm telling you, man, dude. Like, we're going to go up there, they're going to pray for you, and dude, you're gonna, it's, gonna, it's like feeling like you're high, but you didn't smoke anything. I don't even know how to explain it. That's what I'm telling you, that's how it was. I mean, they're sitting, they're doing music, I'm like, we're going to go up afterwards, and they were getting touched by the Holy Spirit, and God was showing up on their life, and I, I didn't even know how to explain it. I'm just like, it's like getting high, but for free. That's, I, I didn't know. Because I found something better, Right? And in the same context, friends, true and lasting faithfulness can only be found in Christ. You want something that's going to be lasting and sustainable and that's fulfilling and that you can pass on for generations and generations. That's godliness. It's a godly legacy. It's a godly heritage. Amen. And we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Philippians chapter four, verse 13. I can do all things, not through my own strength, but through Christ. So, okay, let's just talk a little bit about Moses here. We got a few things here. These are some things. We're going to talk about how Moses engaged, how he encountered, and how he experienced. Number one, Moses engaged with loss before finding victory. Like I said, you know, he might have dealt with rejected rejection, right? I, I can see him. He lost his position in Pharaoh's court, right? He Loses his connection with his birth family. He's all alone in the desert. And then he becomes a shepherd. And if I recall in scripture, people look down at shepherds. Like that was considered like, what would that be? Like, forgive me if you are this. It'd be like a trash man today. I think they get paid good probably now, right? But, but nobody looks at like, like that profession and be like, man, that's what I aspire to. You know, if, if they're doing that, that's fantastic putting, you know, I'm not, I'm not in no way talking down on that, but that is a dirty job, right? It's a dirty job. And in the same context, being a shepherd was a dirty job. I mean, they smelled bad. I mean, you just, it was just, 
dirty. So he went from being in Pharaoh's court to being a shepherd. It's like the ultimate demotion, right? He's living on the, on the fat of Egypt, on the best of Egypt, and now he's living in the wilderness, tending sheep. And he builds this whole life for himself. He, for 40 years, I mean, he, wife, kids, builds this whole life for himself. So, but he engaged with loss before finding victory. I mean, he had to deal with all of this stuff. I just think of for 40 years out in the wilderness, I'm sure God started working through all of these things. For him to realize, you know, he, he probably thought, man, I'm a murderer. I can't believe it. You know, I tried, I tried to, you know, my people were, were suffering. I tried to do my best, but I, I failed. I, I'm, I'm, I'm now disassociated from my birth family. I'll never see uh, the woman that raised me anymore. I mean, so that, that would be a lot to deal with, wouldn't it? I mean, family for most people is everything, right? And so he's dealing with all of this, right? Maybe, maybe us. Maybe we have dealt with the loss of a child, or maybe a murdered loved one, or maybe a 25-year marriage down the tubes, maybe a diagnosis of cancer, maybe we've faced tremendous fear, loss, depression, suicide, maybe we've wanted to end it all. Moses engaged with loss before finding victory. Many of us, we'll, we, will, we will find ourselves suffering at some point, and then we will see God will actually show up in a mighty way. Sometimes our greatest victory or victories or successes will be found after falling short and after failure. Right after failure, man, you'll see victory. I'll share, I'll share some failure here. Back in uh, 2019, when my wife and I, you know, we planted this second campus in 2017. Everybody with, was with us. You know, I mean, we had a strong uh, uh, team. Uh, still, a lot of them are, are still with us. Thank you for everyone that, is, that, that suffered through <laughs> those early years of, of church planning, because it's hard, it's tough. And we weren't seeing the results that we had hoped, and, and just things weren't happening, and the, the finances of the church were drying up. And we were like, maybe we're done. Maybe, maybe God's done with us. And so in 2019, I don't know if we've ever, did I have ever shared this from, maybe I have, Joyce says, yes, you share it every single Sunday. <laughs> We were, we were about to throw in the towel. You know, we're going to, you know, hand over the ministry on South Toledo to somebody, hand over this or close this up and just, you know, go find something else. And 2019, we're going through all of that and, and we were uh, praying and fasting and, and just and doing what we're called to do. We're preaching the gospel and, and just, just hammering through and nobody probably knew except for maybe a few people. And I sat across from the table from my wife. I said, if things don't change in a year, we're done. We're going to close up shop because nothing is happening. We're actually going in the opposite direction. The ministry, the, we didn't know if we could pay our bills. I mean, we were just downward spiraling. And um, so we didn't give up. We didn't quit. I mean, we, had, you know, we, we, we actually, there was actually, it was so amazing. You know, we're, like I said, on the verge of wanting to throw in the towel. And we had prophetic words. People were saying, it was everywhere. It was like, don't quit. Don't give up. I'm like, really? Really? Like, seriously? We're going, we'd go into it. Like, her and I would visit, like, other churches. They'd be like, don't quit. Don't give up. I'm like, okay. People would come up and start praying over us. The Lord says, don't quit. Don't give up. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. So, by the end, end of 2019, you know, we're like, okay. We're not going to quit. We're not going to give up. We're not going to throw in the towel, even though we don't see any difference. Now, the crazy thing was, was um, like I said, sometimes our greatest victory happens right after 
right, you know, right when they're falling short, I felt like, you know, we emotionally, spiritually, we're falling short. We're ready to throw in the towel. And then opportunity, this building opened up for us. So it was like a breath of fresh air. Um, I don't know. They're just like, like things started snowballing in the right direction. Then 2020 hit and the pandemic hit. So it was like, you, you ever like had of a false start? You were, were like, you know, you're getting ready. We're like, okay, we're going to change it in 2020. Let's go. And then all of a sudden, like, it's like, nope, shut down. But this is what's so crazy. This is what's amazing. 2020, everybody was, everybody was like, oh my God, the world's going to end. Right? We're all like, what's happening? We don't know. Everybody was chaotic. But, I, but Joy and I were like, we're good. We got this. <laughs> like there was like this encouragement through 2020. And then it was like, you know, the Lord like bless our finances beyond like what it's ever been. Like just all of this stuff started happening. Because it was like victory right, right after falling short. And sometimes people quit too quickly. They quit too quickly. What would have happened if we would have quit? I don't know. All I know is the Lord said, don't quit, don't give up. So we're like, okay, we're going to keep going. So Moses engaged with loss before finding victory. Number two, Moses encountered God, which gave him the power to confront every opposition. Now, this is the cool thing. God actually empowered Moses to give him the ability to do what he's called to do. God don't just want you to go face opposition and do it in your own strength. And I'll be with, behind you, like way far away. Like, no, he, he is... Emmanuel, God with us. More than that, he has the Holy Spirit that abides inside of us, right? I mean, the scripture says that we are empowered. The, the Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Uh, to do what? To witness. And it's more than just to be a witness and to share. I mean, I believe the Lord empowers you to face opposition, to face fear, to face uh, the things that, that we need to face. I believe when the Holy Spirit comes on, it gives us courage right? It gives us boldness. Amen? I mean, we see this. We see this through scripture. We see people before the Holy Spirit and then after. Peter, right? He's running from little, he's running from little girls, little servant girls, and then he's preaching in front of 3,000. Like, like what, what, what was the difference? The difference was Acts chapter 1 verse 8. The Holy Spirit empowered, right? And so Moses, he has an encounter with God, a burning bush experience that empowers him to be able to face his fears, face his past, face Pharaoh, and confront that opposition. We need an intangible encounter with Christ, friends. We need a tangible encounter with Christ. What caused Moses to face the system and, and opposition that tried to kill him twice and leave his new settled life? He's probably living comfortably in Midian was the burning bush, the burning bush experience. What changed Saul to Paul, Damascus Road? He had a God encounter. What changed the apostles and gave them the, the power to give their life for the gospel? Because they encountered the risen Christ. They had a power encounter. Friends, we need, the, we need power and we need to encounter the presence of God because he can and will empower us as well. Think of this. When your phone is running low, what do you do? You plug it in to charge it up to, so that it does what? It receives power so that it can be used throughout the course of your day. Well, friends, as followers of Christ, many of us are called to plug in to the source. 
We need to plug ourselves into the living waters, the Lord, and allow him to recharge our batteries as well. The scripture says, it says that um, times of refreshing will come upon you because there's going to be times when we're dry and thirsty. There's going to be times when we face where it's like we want to give up. Moses' encounter, God, encounter with God gave him the power to confront every opposition. And then sometimes the place where we run to is the place where God wants to meet us at. He ran into the desert, and that's right where God met him. God, just like, just like, the, just like the son running to the father, God will meet us right where we run to. And then finally, number three, friends, Moses experienced the greatest miracles or the greatest freedom in the place of the greatest bondage. Think of this, 400 years of slavery, torture, death, despair, every day. And Moses experienced great miracles, great freedom. And not only did he experience it, but all those that are around him. Friends, let God do an awesome work where the enemy has done some of the most incredible damage in our life. Let God do an awesome work. Where in our life is there failure, rejection, shame, embarrassment, ridicule? God is a redeemer. The word redeem means to compensate for faults or bad aspects of something. Let God compensate for our failures. Moses had excuses of his inadequacy. God assured him, even with his spotted past, even with his broken speech, that he was chosen. Friends, and we could, we could have the same. We can have the excuses. We can have the spotted past. We can say, well, I can't do this. I'm not ready. I'm this, that, and the other. God wants to assure you as well, you are chosen. Moses was only human. He rose and faced opposition. We can too. Our life has value. It has purpose. And God has great things in store for us. Friends, Moses engaged with loss before victory. Moses encountered God, which gave him power. Moses experienced the greatest miracles in the place of the greatest bondage. And God can do the same in our life as well. Would you stand your feet with me today? We're going to pray. Thank you, John. really want to give us just an opportunity just to engage with God today. You know, it was an experience with the Lord that changed my life forever. It was an experience that Moses had that changed his life and his destiny forever. It was an experience on Damascus Road for Paul. We see through the scriptures, all of the apostles experiencing the power of God. And I believe the Lord wants us to experience him as well. And I'm going to just, well, I'll just encourage you, if you, right where you're standing, if you're, right, if you're still sitting, just talk to the Lord for a moment. Maybe you've been dealing with a lot of doubt and unbelief. Maybe you're uncertain about some things in your life, some decisions you got to make. 
Maybe you're in this place and you're like, I don't really know how to live for God. I don't know what that means. Father, will you meet with us right where we're at, God? Your word says, Pastor Joy said it earlier, in James chapter 4, verse 8, if we draw near to you, God, you will draw near to us. You will draw near to us. So, Father, would you draw near right now? God, would you draw near? Would you empower right now? Empower, empower, empower. Friends, I'm going to keep praying uh, for you today as you're standing there. But if you, as we're praying, if you're like, you know what, I just want to take another step. And I would like somebody to join and pray with me uh, through some things. Um, I'm going to ask you to do something courageous. Would you slip out of your seat? Come up front. We're going to have some people pray for you. We'd love to do that. We'd love to join and pray with you about whatever's going on. Jesus. Father, we just thank you, God. Again, God, we, as, we, as we meet together, as we join together, God, you want to empower each and every one of us. God, you want to empower us to be great husbands, great wives, great mothers, great fathers. You want to empower us to live victoriously, to not walk a life of guilt, shame, condemnation, fear, intimidation, depression, but God, to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. And so, Lord, we just thank you, God, as your sons and daughters are in this place today. Holy Spirit, would you just overshadow them, just like how you did with Mary? Would you just overshadow each person in this place? In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for how good and amazing you are. And just ask the Lord to help you in whatever area you need help. If there's some strongholds, if you got some, if there's some addictions, if there's some, just confess that before the Lord. Say, I just rebuke and I just, I just confess anger and, and rage. I just rebuke. I just confess uh, addictions substance addictions, pornographic addictions. God, I just, I just confess, God, you don't want me to be enslaved to any of this stuff because he who the sun sets free is free indeed, Lord. So, Lord, we thank you, God, that you would truly bring freedom. And if you just need freedom, just ask the Lord for freedom right where you're at. Just ask him for freedom. Freedom in the name of Jesus. Freedom in the name of Jesus freedom in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you need, if you, have, if you and your body need healing, let's just, let's pray. The word says we can do it. So we're going to do something a little bit different today. If you, if you are in physical need of healing in your body, could you raise your hand up? Could you slip your hand up? So we got hands, hands. Okay, now I'm going to ask everybody to do this. Actually, I'm going to ask everybody to open their eyes. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. We're going to do something just a little bit different. If, if you see somebody with their hand up, we're a body of believers, and we're going to stand, we're going to actually take a step of faith, and we're going to step out in James chapter 5. 
So keep your hand raised. And if you see somebody with their hands raised standing next to you, would you would you go up to that person? Would you come around them and just, you know, gently maybe just like lay your hand on their back or on their shoulder? Sarah has her hand up. She needs some people. Thank you that you can touch you can touch bodies, God. Thank you. James chapter uh, 5, verse 13 says, Is any among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is any among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church to pray over them. Anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. The prayers of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Father, we just thank you, God. We join you with your word. We're just going to take just a few more moments. We join you with your word, God, as we're praying for each person that has some sort of physical ailment in their body. And we stand upon your word right now. And we just believe by faith, God, you can heal the sick. You can heal the sick. We offer these prayers in faith. By faith, we stand on your word. And your word is truth. Your word is true. And it's the name of Jesus and the belief in the name of Jesus that can bring healing, restoration, and health to bodies in this room. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Father. Even now, God, touch bodies. Touch backs. Touch knees. Touch hips. Touch diagnosis. Internal problems. Where there are chemical imbalances, God, would you just balance those things out, Lord? Jesus' name. This is called a step of faith that we're just stepping on faith. Lord, we just believe you for your word. We thank you for what you're going to do. And God, we say we love you. In Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and may he give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, friends. Have a great Sunday. We love you. Take care.